G'day, Russell Howcroft here from the Sayers Group, Chief Creative Officer, uh, host of the podcast. We're going to do a special, actually I think we're going to do a number of special podcasts. Um, we really want to focus in on younger people in particular that are being innovative in the Australian marketplace. So maybe the uh, subtitle for this podcast is The Innovators. Uh, we've got a cracking innovator here in the studio right now. His name is Dennis Savage. G'day, Dennis. G'day. Now, it's Savage, but there's no hutch at the end of your, how you spell there's it. There's no H on it, no. No, you're an no. S-A-V-I-C. Correct. Dennis Savage. Yeah. Um, and you've got your own brand. Uh, I've got to say, I saw the brand. I just saw the design of the brand. I go, geez, who, what is this? Who is this? Because it's a beautiful design. Oh, Are you a brand guy? Uh, I'm an engineer. Uh, I'm like a, a really weird kind of – I love creativity and like I, I could never be a designer because I'm a trained engineer now. Right. Um, but, I, yeah, maybe I've got some kind of flair in there somewhere. So. Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, okay, yeah. so a trained engineer. Um, so in, in, what, in what field of engineering? So I studied mechanical engineering right. when I was at uni and um, the reason why I went to study engineering was because my – High school teacher told me I, I needed to if that's what I wanted to do to build motorbikes. Okay, so you you made a determination. Okay, so you're getting us to. I, I was going to build up to the fact that you're into <laughs> motorbikes, but you, you've just you, you, you've uh, pulled the rug from under me. Okay, you are a motorbike engineer. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you decided when that you wanted to be in that field. In high school, in a metalwork class, and. Uh, I finished all my work and the teacher said I could build anything I wanted. So I decided I was going to build a motorbike. And then he laughed at me and told yeah. me I had to be an engineer to do that. And I thought, I'll, I'll go and study engineering then. Okay. And so um, away you went. Now, how long ago is that? Uh, 2014, I graduated. So, yeah. Crikey. A little while ago. I, I, I know what you've done. It's not, that's not a very – it's only nine years ago, for goodness sake. No, so, hang on. No. Okay, so 2014, you graduated. What yes. did you do then? Then I fell into oil and gas because I grew up in, in Perth. Okay. So, uh, long story short, born in Sydney, raised in Perth. Right. And, you know, now in Melbourne. Uh-huh. Um, and started working full-time, started an MBA in corporate finance and started building motorbikes. Okay, so you, uh, you started or co- did you complete your MBA in corporate finance? I did complete it by 20, just before I turned 26. Okay, so um, that would explain that when I talk numbers with you, you're all over the numbers. Well, I, I try to make sure I'm as competent as possible. Okay, yeah. so you then decided to fulfil the, the, the dream of a 14-year-old yes. and actually yeah. build a motorcycle. Yeah, so we've we've bashed our heads against the wall for a long time and had to learn a lot along the way when we started. No experience in vehicle engineering, development process, testing, mm-hmm. design. So yeah, we've we've literally built everything from the ground up. Okay, so you you have a motorcycle. So those that want to have a look at it, just go to Savage Savic yep. S A V I C Motorcycles dot com dot com. So SavageMotorcycles dot com, and you can check out. What the Savage Motorcycle looks like, although we'll put a picture on our um, on our post when we yeah, do sure. this podcast, so that people can see it because it's pretty sexy. Who did the design? So, Mr. Dave Hendroff is our chief of design. Mm-hmm. He's actually an extended relative of mine. Um, <laughs> he, it's coincidence. My you know, my family's from Bosnia. Uh, my auntie's my auntie's husband unfortunately passed away in the war back in '94, oh. and um, she remarried to a to a Sri Lankan gentleman. And his cousin is Dave Hendroff. So, <laughs> I like it. So, yeah. Beautiful yeah, story. So, and he's been sketching bikes since the 70s. So he's a slightly, uh, you know, older vintage than I am, but, uh, yeah, an artist at heart. Really. Okay. Okay. So you have 
done more than, or he has done more than sketch bikes, and you've done more than um, have a picture in your mind. Yeah. You actually now um, are capable. In fact, I've seen. Yeah. I've seen. Well, maybe if I've seen five motorcycles, but it looks like I've seen it from birth to where you've got to now. Is that right? Correct. So in the in the dealership space, we have we have the the history of our prototype. So back to 2016 with our first ground up build ever, um, to. 18, 19, 21, yeah. 22, and now pilot production. Okay. Now, the fact that we've been just holding back is that there is a significant innovation in your motorcycle yep. uh, in that it's an EV. Yes, it's it's electric. It's a, an electric motorcycle. So let's just talk about the electric motorcycle market. Sure. Um, when I first heard about Savage, I thought, oh, yeah, electric motorcycle. Well, of course there's electric motorcycles. Are there electric yeah. motorcycles? There's only a handful of competitors in our market segment. So we play in the high performance electric motorcycle space. And the reason Is that why it looks so sexy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like a lot of power behind there. The, the engineering makes it sexy, I think. So So just a quick pause, we'll move. Have you approached Hollywood yet to say, can you get my <laughs> no, I'm serious. Have you approached Hollywood yet to say, can you get hang on, Mad Max? Is there another there is another Mad Max movie being there made is. right now? Yeah, yeah. Have you approached the Mad Max franchise uh, yeah. and said I need my bike in your movie. Uh, I would I would love to have that level of network. I'm just not there yet. Mm. Um, I've had this idea or, or vision to just send Ryan Reynolds uh, a motorbike and just kind of gift it to him and just see what happens. That's good. Um, but, yeah, we, uh, we, we're not quite at that stage yet. So. Okay. Well, we'll get to the stage that you're sure. at in a sec. Let's go back to the EV market. So. Yeah. You are in the high-performance EV um, sector. Correct. Tell us about who you're competing with and, and yep. why you think – let's just get, get straight to it. Why do you think you can win? We beat our direct competition on price through a direct customer model. Okay. So to put it quite succinctly, there's only a handful of competitors globally. Um, two of them are very early stage, very similar to us. Uh, three have had significant backing to get to where they are. One of them is a, a Harley – offshoot brand called Livewire. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, another one, Zero Motorcycles. They've had private, significant private capital behind them for a long time, like okay. back back to 2011. And how are they going? Uh, not bad. I think they're selling a few thousand units a year. Okay. Um, but again, they've gone through a traditional distribution model, which which can impact your retail uh-huh. price quite negatively. Yeah, yeah so. got it. Okay, so you've already covered off two, two of the Ps. So if we get our marketing textbook out, we've got yeah, – <laughs> so thank you. So distribution – Direct to customer. Yes. Uh, so I, if I want to buy one, I'll, d- I'll get online and yes. I can click and then you'll deliver it to me. All of our pre-orders have been online. Uh, okay, so yeah. no intermediary. Price, so just give us the pricing tree. What number? So our top spec alpha starts at 27 and our delta starts at 20. 20,000 bucks for a very sexy looking EV motorcycle. Correct. And the direct competitor when it comes to spec, how much would they be? Um, we're about 30% cheaper on retail price. So most of our competitors in Australia start from about 40,000, 45,000 and go up to 55, 60. Excellent. Tell us more about the product then. So we've gone, we've done price, covered that off, distribution, yep. covered. Yep. Product, tell us more about the beast. So we have basically developed 90 plus percent of this vehicle ourselves in-house. Uh, we have developed our own motor, our own battery pack, our own power inverter, um, our own charger. So... There's quite a lot of proprietary technology in there. Um, we're working on a new charging tech that will help us charge faster, but we're not we're not there yet. Uh-huh. Um, so at the moment, it takes six and a half hours to charge with a 3.3 kilowatt charger. Um, and yeah, it'll do the Alpha will do zero to 100 in three and a half seconds. Um, <laughs> there's you know thousand plus newton meters of torque at the rear wheel, and 
Jeez. Um, okay, so yeah. critical question here. Is it legal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't <laughs> be, but it is. <laughs> I like it. Okay, so all right, now tell us more about why it, it, it so you have to go through a process, I assume, yeah. in order for you to well, for people who buy to be able to get a registration, you've got to be able to tick some boxes, I imagine. Yeah, so we, we've got all of our Australian compliances in place. So uh, December last year, we were order, awarded our ADR compliance after some lengthy ABS development with Bosch. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, we're basically – we've already registered a couple of bikes. We've got you know VIN numbers in the system. We've tested that process. So basically once a customer – well, once we're ready to start delivering, uh-huh. um, because we're so direct to customer, our logistics partner picks the bike up from the factory, picks up the plate on the way to the customer's house, does the handover. So it's very, very. That's as lean as you can get it, really. Okay, I want to. I want to take you back to being fourteen, and you. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You're lying back, and you're thinking. Not only do I want to build a motorcycle, I want to build a motorcycle brand. I want to build a motorcycle yeah. business. I think that's where we got I've to. Always wanted to build an automotive business. An automotive business. Okay, so more about the dream. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, look, it's it's super. I strange. want you. Yeah. I want you to just. Ditch modesty. Yeah. Forget it. I've got, I've got no interest in modesty. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a tough one. For I'm me. over it. My, um, Give me the big picture. Go for it. The uh, Well, back when I was 14, and this is how strange it is, right? My mum asked me, why Why do you want to study engineering? She was super happy, as, as most mums probably would be. Mm. Um, but I said, well, I want to build my own automotive business one day. And she had this weird look on her face, and I didn't understand it at the time. Um, I thought, well, you know, that's pretty common sense, isn't it? And I think back now, I just think that's that's pretty weird. That's, yeah. yeah, that doesn't happen. So, um, you know, and then I remember back to when I was even younger, I tried to come up with a new engine design like on the back of a dome menu with crayons. And then when I was 22, I went to the Mercedes Museum and saw that that was the star configuration engine in World War II aircraft. Yes. I thought, okay, I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing. Oh. But it's super cool. Yeah, it's been a So tell me about the uh, – is there something about um, – is Sarah – is he Bosnian? Sarich? Yeah. From the orbital? Yeah, the orbital um, motor. I, I don't – I think he might be Croatian. Ah, I, okay. But look, I mean, ex-Yugo. Ex yeah. Oh, let's, let's pass this topic. Well, let's just go let's Eastern, Europe- yeah. Eastern Europeans. Because yeah, yeah. he's, he's from Perth as well. <laughs> he is. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, he, yeah. and he d- developed an engine, of course, that the automotive world said, geez, hang yeah. on, this is a serious innovation. Yeah. yeah it must yeah. be in your sort of Eastern European blood when you come to Perth. I, I mean, seriously. Just, yeah. It's, it's – <laughs> it is – okay. Yeah. So – where do you build them? West Melbourne. So we have our little factory, a dealership and an office. Um, we're pretty central. So, right. yeah, our pilot facilities there. We'll, we'll be able to do 500 bikes a year out of that space. And then once we need a scale, we'll probably find a larger facility in Port Melbourne or something like that. Well, I, I was there, what, the other 48 hours ago. Yeah. It, it is very cool. Um, yeah. you've, got, you've got dudes in there that are just, you know, tools at the ready. Yeah. Um, now, the issue, of course, is... How do you get this thing ramped up? Capital-wise or as, as a business? No, just, yeah, just you, how do you do it? How do we ramp right? up? I want, I want your dream fulfilled, Yeah. Right. but how do you actually do that? Because there's a difference between talking about it and actually doing it. So yeah, how are you yeah. going to do it? So, well, one thing I've learned over the last eight or so years is that you know, money basically keeps things moving. When yeah. you run out of money, everything stops. Um, my long-term vision and our vision for the business is <laughs> it's very competitive. It's to beat Ducati. So that's our, where we want to be in 10, 15 years. Um, and we've, we've set milestones along that pathway. So our I'm step- just going to pause you on that. Yeah, sure. Beat Ducati in terms of volume sales in Australia or the world? Globally. Nice. Keep going. 
Yeah, so that's fifty to sixty thousand units a year in terms of production. That's a few plants globally, servicing many many markets. Um, and then the on the way there, uh, the second phase is to beat Indian motorcycles. So they do twenty to thirty. Yeah. And then phase one is to beat MV, and they do between three and five. So you know we buy it off a little bit at a time uh, and and stage it, but uh, it's you know there's some method to the madness. No, I, 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 of course we love the big ambition of it. So in order to beat Ducati, Ducati. <laughs> to- <laughs> I'm getting the former uh, fellow that wanted to yeah. run for president of the US, Jukakis, mixed up with Ducati. <laughs> so Ducati, in order to beat them, in order to beat Indian, you need cash, right? So, Absolutely, yeah. So where are you now on um, on the money? Well, we're capital raising at the moment through Equitize, like mm. a, a crowdsource funding platform. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest, and I, I don't know if I should be saying this, but you know, so, it's been very hard to raise capital out of Australia, right. know, especially for our business. We're a hardware business. We're automotive. Um, you know what I. Th- so where does the money want to go? So if the money doesn't want to go to manufacturing an EV motorcycle mm. that looks beautiful, that goes well, yep. that's well priced, where does the money want to go? Most of the the remit based uh, reasons why we can't or aren't suited to a particular fund is you know it's not a, a new patent on a solar technology or a battery technology. It seems you know very tech focused, patent focused type mm-hmm. investing. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of, you know, it's not software, so it's not – you're not going to get a 100x return in two years. It's just not going to be realistic for a manufacturing business. Right. Um, that just seems to be that the general trend of where money wants to go. I think there is a, a shift in the market towards tangibles um, now. We're starting to see that a little bit, yeah. but we're, we're also at a point where we're actually quite mature as a business. You know, we're in pilot production with – we should be delivering customer vehicles by the end of this year. And so a lot of funds who really like us and want to get in, it's going to be their first ticket, but then they've got, you know, first ticket requirements where they can't invest over a certain valuation or a certain ticket size. And so right. we'd love to, but we our rules are such that we just can't. So um, that that is what it is, you know, and we've, we've had to venture internationally to see what the appetite is over there. And uh-huh. um, I've just come back from from Saudi and, and the UAE and um, we were basically hunted down by six VCs who wanted to talk to us and yep. so the, the appetite over there was surprising like I, I was speechless wow. and so we'll, we'll just go we'll probably have to go back there back end of this year and well, see if what, what, what will happen okay so you'll have to go there if you don't get the money out of here for starters correct okay yep. so you're you have got Equitize so that's a fundraising platform correct yep. okay and um, where are you at with that I think we're sitting at about eight hundred and fifty thousand. What do you need? Um, we the, we've capped that at two million, um, so it's not going to go over two million. That'll keep us going for twelve plus months. Yeah. And the way we've had to build it over time, you know, especially because I started quite young, right? Like first capital raise I did was what, six seven years ago, yeah. so I was only early twenties. Yeah. And you know, we we only raised a small amount because of just a kid. And, you know, had haven't got that track record, and so we've had to just prove ourselves at every. And you certainly every been doing pathway, that. and yeah. so you know this equitized thing will help us demonstrate that we can deliver product and we can reduce our costs, so that we we can basically we have evidence behind our unit yeah. economics model, and yeah. So I saw um, a chart again forty eight hours ago around you reducing your cost of goods sold. Yeah. So um, and that of course is all about improving your margin. Mm-hmm. I imagine that. Well, for starters, you're going to go direct to the customer, so Correct. that takes out a whole, you know, big chunk of cost. Yeah. So, wh- wh- when you're up and running and you're flying, what sort of margins do you think you'll get? 
Well, our, our modelling, assuming that we produce 1,800 units in a single year, mm -hmm. uh, shows a 43% gross margin and a 22% net margin. Um, so, it, it, you know, they're very healthy margins. Most people might hear that and go, that's not realistic. But right. because of the direct customer model, uh -huh. um, it, it is. And we've tried to come at the numbers in so many different ways. We spent months on the financial model, the whole the whole C-suite team. And... Um, that's just where we landed. Once, once, and that's almost worst case. So in that same size facility for 2,000 units a year, we can get up to 5,000 units a year, which amortizes your costs even more per unit. Um, and so, yeah, and that's also assuming we, we can hit our cost reduction targets of, you know, I, I probably won't mention that. It's a bit confidential yeah. for, for the public. But, um, yeah, we've got a pretty clear roadmap to get there and yes. it's all evidence-based and we've got quotes from suppliers and, and, and shipping companies to get there. So. Okay, so your suppliers, um, so you're going to rely on other parts of the world, of course, because you, you you assemble here in, in, in Melbourne, West Melbourne. Yeah. Um, but you do re you do rely on, I mean, like everyone does. National right? manufacturing. Right, so, and so tell us about your supplier relationships. They're really good. Um, we <laughs> Supply chain was the bane of our existence for, for the longest time. <laughs> And uh, but we, you know, we've got people on the ground in China, in India now, actively managing all of our supplies. We've mm -hmm. got thirty-five suppliers globally. This is, you know, we we did that for two reasons. One is managing our bill of materials cost and our part cost very, very closely, and having granular granularity on our cost base. Yep. Um, and the second reason is IP protection. Okay. So instead of contract manufacturing and not seeing where the fat's going, right. um, and you know, having to rely entirely on a single entity, um, we've got very, very good control over that. And we've got, you know, backup suppliers on backup supplies for almost all of our systems. There's only a couple of systems there's a single supplier for. Yeah. And even that, we're working on making sure we've got not just uh, backups in the same country, but multi-regional backups if COVID's taught anyone. Anything and and what, what's, what's the world of um, motorcycles? What are they projecting EV motorcycle growth will be? Oh, that's <laughs> black magic. Really. Yeah, I know, um, right. They, they expect that it's going to follow the trend of cars. You'd think. Um, you know, already in, in China, in Europe, there, you know, in city centres, there are no combustion vehicles allowed. And uh, I was looking at the, the carbon emissions numbers from, from a site and I still need to delve into where that site got its figures from. It yep. seemed quite, quite an official site. And the average uh, CO2 emission per 10 kilometres or, or 5 kilometres, whatever it was, um, on a motorcycle was actually more than a bus. <laughs> yeah, And they, they really. do factor in manufacturing CO2 in that as well. Yeah, so okay. I need to do some more due diligence on, on their numbers. Right. Um, but that, that kind of makes sense uh, when you think about, you know, you've got you know, very rudimentary scooters being put together in very rudimentary factories. So, um, you know, there's quite a lot of offset where I... Yeah, because where, where I was going, thinking, oh, hang on, bike bike people, they probably love petrol and they love, you know, the roar and the sound. And, you know, so I'm sure that that's part of, you know, the visceral desire to be on. But then I, I, I went past a billboard um, yesterday on the freeway for a Mustang Mm -hmm. um, I know it's a car, um, Mustang, but it's an EV <laughs> oh, Mustang. The, the for, Mark E. Yeah, yes. it's, a, it's an EV Mustang, yeah, for goodness yeah, sake. Yeah. So if Mustang buyers are prepared to go <laughs> EV, then surely people on motorcycles are. Yeah, well, you know, th you're definitely going to get traditional. And people don't probably assume that, that I'm not a traditional rev head either. Like I love the sound of a V8. Yeah. You know? And I grew up rebuilding my WRX engine when I was, you know, first got my car and stuff like that. I, I love that stuff. So um, I had an obnoxiously loud exhaust on that as, as any person in their late teens would have. Good man. Um, 
<laughs> and so, you know, I'm a traditionalist in a sense, but and a lot of the, you know, maybe 20 to 30% of our pre-orders on our first customer base are lifelong Harley riders. Right. And, and you know, that's they're not shifting away from the brand. It's just that we're an Australian electric motorcycle company. They, they like the look of it. Can you imagine? Um, and they're stoked that it's quiet. They're well, like, oh, I'm not going to wake up my wife at six in the morning when I, when I oh, leave home and yeah, uh, I'm not going to annoy the neighbours. So there are pros um, and it's just a totally different experience. It's smooth, it's silent, it's serene when you're riding it. You, you feel like you're in Tron kind of. It's cool. Uh, one of the things that I hope doesn't happen to you, I think I hope this, that you don't become a collector's item because that would imply, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want you to be everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah me too. They're me everywhere, too. they're everywhere. So we've done that, we've talked price, mm-hmm. we've talked product, we've talked distribution mm-hmm. um, and then of course promo, promotion. Yes. Now, you, you've got a beautiful looking brand. As I say, the thank design you. of it is… That means a lot coming from you, no, by genuinely, the way. So the design, the, the website's great, the photography's great. So as I said earlier, go to Mo- uh, Savage without the… H. It's, it's a little confusing. S-A-V-I-C, motorcycles.com. You can see how beautiful the thing is. Uh, in a way, when, when I think about car and um, uh, advertising, which I've done a lot of, just getting them on the streets is actually as much as – like you get oh, them on the yeah. streets and people go, geez, what's that? I want one of those. Yeah, massively. So you have had some test drives. Oh, we – And um, tell me about the head turn. It, it smashes the pub test every time and it, it blows me away. Like it, we had it, we had an investor night in Queensland and one of our investors owns a couple of restaurants and stuff. So we parked it outside one of his restaurants and it was a very high-end restaurant. So you wouldn't think, you know, a motorbike, you know, would attract a lot of attention and everyone right. that walked in, stopped, had a look – Husbands, wives, kids. It was just unreal. So it's, you know, that's awesome. And the thing I like, one of the things I like about it at the moment is um, you're doing a bit of a Henry Ford, aren't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> As in, it only comes yeah. in one colour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you can have, what did he say? You can have whatever, you can have whatever colour, colour you like as long as, as it's black. black. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people don't know this. I, he's written a couple of autobiographies. And I read and reread the first one. Yeah. Uh, it's to me, it's a bit of a bible. There's so many gold nuggets in there, not just in terms of cars, but business. Um, I I worked at Ford for a few years, and most people that I'd spoken to haven't read his book. And I just think there's so much stuff going on that is anti or, or against the grain of what he was writing about. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you looked know, after his staff. He he did. He was financially amazing yeah. with his staff. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, of course, he paid them more. Doubled it. Um, but then, of course, um, said, and you can – I'll lend you the money to buy a car. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah well. and build housing. Mm-hmm. In- yeah, yeah. Incredible – I mean, seriously, an incredible story. Pretty smart economist. Yeah, I like looking at uh, the Walt Disney story. That's more my territory. Fair but, enough. I mean, he's Fair unbelievable. Enough. Okay, so Equitize yes. is, where, is where people go if yep. they want to get involved with your business. Yeah. Um, so Equitize.com. Uh, or just search Equitise, maybe. Mm, right? me, if you Google Savage Equitise, which is E-Q-U-T-I-S-E. Yeah, it's an S, uh, not a Z, Equitise. Yeah. So maybe just Google. That's up. the easiest. It is, it is .com, Equitise.com. Okay. So uh, if, I, if I Google, I just do S-A-V-I-C, Equitise, with an S, not an E. Yeah. And then I, all of us, all of us that listen to this podcast – um, have, got, have got the opportunity to check it out. Yeah. So we are we're a little bit naked, you know. Like there's there's so much information on the site. We've done our what is it? They call it a CSF document. It's effectively a fifty page IM. Okay. All the financials are in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's almost yeah, like a bit of a like a prospectus in a way. Um, so yeah, it's it's all there. So Dennis, I sincerely wish you all the very best. 
Um, I, as I said earlier, when I first saw the product, I thought, goodness me, what is this? <laughs> because it's beautiful. Thank you. It's a beautiful design. Yeah. The branding is stunning. Um, price in the end, in the end, all marketing is about price and yep. you have nailed that as well. So congratulations. Thank you. I hope the fundraising goes incredibly well and I hope that you fulfil your 14-year-old dream <laughs> and build something that's bigger than Ducati. Good man. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. Having just listened to the podcast, I've realised that maybe my enthusiasm might be construed as financial advice. It's not. Go to the website, um, the Equitise website, check out the Savage documentation and make your own decisions.